Come on, is that your prayer tonight? Open up the heavens. Pour out your spirit, Father. Father, we worship you, God. You are so awesome. Hallelujah. It's like holy water on my
Come on, sing it again. Hallelujah. Give him praise tonight. Give him praise. Come on, we need his grace every day. More and more and more every day. Hallelujah. Get all that stuff set again.
build upon the praises of a thousand generations you are worthy Lord of all and to you the slain and risen King we lift our voice to heaven singing worthy Lord of all come on sing it again we enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations you are worthy, Lord of all. And to the slain and risen King, we lift our voice to heaven, singing worthy, Lord of all. Singing worthy, Lord of tonight hallelujah come on give him some praise tonight 
Jesus. Look, turn and give somebody a, a spiritual high five if you can. You know, hopefully soon enough we won't have to do that anymore. We can literally just run over there, you know, and don't have to fight all that crazy stuff. Hallelujah. Jesus. Whew. All right, so is people having a good week, a bad week? What's it looking like? Just a week? Yeah, okay. A week. Yeah, you know, today felt like a long, long week or a long, long day. Uh, but you know what's crazy is I was really productive, so that was the odd part. I'm like, man, it felt like I had, like, extra hours. I don't know what it was, but I don't know. I got a lot of stuff done. Uh, so it was good. Problem was I was ready for a nap. Like, it was time to end the day way early. So, uh, but, whoo, Lord. So listen, so. Grab your Bibles and open it up to Matthew chapter 16. Grab a touch of water right here and Matthew 16. Watch this. Okay. So while you're doing that, I want to talk to you tonight about who am I, God? Question. Who am I, God? That's the question God's asking. Who am I? That's what he's asking to us. And, and that really came from a class that I'm facilitating right now. And it was a very interesting um, question. And so the people taking the course will, will know the question. But the question for most people is not, is there a God? The writer of the book said the real question is, what kind of God is he? And furthermore, what do you believe about God? I, I think the, the difficulty is, is that every one of us seem to have this different idea of who God is. We all do. And we, we have gained that knowledge, not necessarily from growing up in church. We have gained that knowledge because we try to relate things. And for most of us, when we, we try to ask, you know, uh, oh, you know, he's my heavenly father. Well, we didn't have a great father, so how do we relate to that? You know, uh, oh, well, he's trustworthy. Well, no, we've never been able to trust anybody, so how do we relate with that? And, and so, you know, the, the problem is, is God's asking us the question, who am I to you? Because it's what we believe about that that really sets us free. The, the, the writer also put something in there. So I've been taking a bunch of notes in, in my book, and, and it says, true freedom is choosing who controls you. True freedom is choosing who controls you. Oh, well, I'm free. Yeah, but you're controlled by all kinds of things, and you didn't even choose that. <laughs> so true freedom is choosing who controls you. So tonight I want to I talk to you about who is God, not the question we normally ask, who am I, God, in your life? Who do you say he is to you? And, and here's something I, I wrote down earlier. So we all need to agree tonight, before we go on, to leave our religious knowledge behind. Because I'm not looking for your Bible answer of who is God. I'm not looking for your religious habit type of an answer. I'm not looking for what you've read somewhere about God. Because every one of those can be swayed by things. 
And most of us that have been in church long enough, if I asked you who is God, all you're going to do is start quoting out things you've heard, not necessarily even what you believe. You see, Matthew chapter 16, we're going to go down to verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. Micah, I did not put what translation this is, so it's probably NIV, but, you know, who knows. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, was that it? Okay, cool. He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? See, he didn't even ask them who they said at this point. It's who do people say? What's the opinion of the people? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then he turned it around. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? And then Simon Peter, the crazy one. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And listen, to, look at this statement here. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Now I want to stop right there. That was not revealed to him because he just went and bought the book and started reading it. That was not revealed to him because he hung out with some good people and that's the way they talked. That was not revealed to him because it was his religious duties. It said it was revealed to him not by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. That can only be revealed by the Spirit. You see, and, and so the question tonight is, is, who is he to you? Who am I? God, question mark. Because the problem is, is we've got all these different opinions. And, and I tell you that you have different opinions because we all struggle with different things. If we all had the same opinion like Peter, he's the son of God, the Messiah, that would completely set us free from all these things. But we struggle constantly. So in certain areas of our life, we're still struggling. Look at what he finished saying in verse 18. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What, what thing will he build the church on? The knowledge revealed by the Spirit of God that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. Not Peter. He didn't even say right there that he was going to build it upon all the miracles that he did and all the signs and wonders. He said, I'm going to build it upon the knowledge that I am the Messiah. And by believing in the Messiah and trusting in him, we will see the change in our life. And then he goes on, he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You see, with that knowledge comes all these different things. With that belief in our heart that he is the son of God, and then I need to bow down to him. Because there again, I've mentioned this before, if we truly, truly believed that, that he is the son of God, we wouldn't play with it as much as we do. We wouldn't play games with it, do we, we would say, you know what, Lord, I, I'm going to submit myself to you. Would that mean you're going to be perfect? No. But we would be more like King David where we turn back every time. And we wouldn't have all the issues we have. But then he came back and he ordered, and then he told him, whatever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He needed them to find out through the Spirit. Why do you think he said that right there? Because he knew 
if he allowed them to do that, they would be in the same boat we're in today, but 2,000 years earlier. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. I go to church. And we die and we get passed through the church and we're going to make it to heaven. And you ain't cracked your Bible one day in your life. You've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you went to church just enough to get so your, your body can go through so everybody believes we're good. Is that really what we want? You know, me, me and my wife have had this conversation about what we want when we die. And, and she keeps telling me all this. I said, it ain't about you. You're going to be dead. Well, I want this. I don't care what you want. You're going to be dead. I'm going to do whatever I want. And, and we just, we jokingly have this conversation. But it's just, it's, it's not about us anymore because we're gone. It's about the people that are behind and this and that. And so it's just, it's just kind of funny. You see, so we've got we've to look at it in the light tonight of who is he? Who is he to you? Can I tell you who he is to me? He's the God that never gives up on me. See, I, in, in our class, I was sharing some of these things. You know, we, we talked about the character of God. I, I, here was my character trait of God that I love. He never stops chasing after me. He never gives up on me. Oh, but God is love. He's all the, Listen, love, I can tell you 100 definitions of love. But being in the military, I know what it's like to know that that guy's not going to give up on me. And he is going to come back for me. And he is going to, with his last breath, he's, and to me, that's God is never going to stop chasing me. He is never going to stop. And I can relate to that. And through that, I learn his love. And through that, I learn his grace and his mercy. Who is he to you? Or have you ever even thought of that? As times grow more and more difficult, we need to have that settled inside of ourselves. Again, not the religious answer, because we can always spot off a religious answer. But we know the world and the times are going to get harder and harder. And the, and the thing is, is, is what is your answer going to be one day when somebody comes to you and says, who's God to you? Because the world is tired of the religious answer. That's all they've been getting. Why do you think I say constantly the church needs to start operating in power and love? And, and we need to operate with that. Because that's what the world needs to see. But the only way we operate in that is through that belief in him of knowing who he is. Because if you don't know who he is, you can't, you can't swipe that card. You can't swipe that card. You can say you're going to do it all day long, but you can't. You can't swipe that card. Flip back to Matthew 7. We'll talk about just a couple more pieces in here. Matthew 7, 24. The wise and foolish builders. Mm. You see, this is, is part of something we need to really, really apply in our lives, especially as, as days continue and, and things grow more difficult for, for the church and for believers because we know it's going to happen. Why? Because he said it would. He said it would. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, then you probably don't believe in God. Well, what do you mean? Well, it's in here, and if you don't believe that part, what other part do you throw out? <laughs> it's, it's an all or none. Look at Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them in practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What words? The words that Jesus taught. The belief that he is the Messiah. 
all these things have to be put into practice. We can't just say we believe them and live the way we want to live. Too many people do that already. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. To me, that's kind of like those people that keep building in Holly Beach. Just, just be, you know, uh, you're, you're building on ground that they have to keep putting sand back. And there's hurricanes that come through there, and there's nothing to stop it, man. You know, and the hurricane comes through, and 20 feet of sand disappears. And, you know, and it's like I've been down there after Hurricane Rita. I saw it. There was nothing left but some poles. But we keep doing it over and over. And, and the same thing applies with us in, in our faith because we keep saying, God, I want to trust you this time, but we don't change anything. We don't go back and look at ourselves and say, why did I fall last time? What happened in my life that, that I didn't trust God and start really looking at it and changing those things? Because every time we fall, we have an opportunity to grow. I don't want to fall, but I do want to grow. And if God can keep, te keep teaching me through those things, I want to grow. Now, I can flip that over to the message translation. I got to read this one to you in the message translation. Matthew 7. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. <laughs> but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. <laughs> I love that last part because I know people that do Bible studies and everything else, and all they're doing is, is like they're attending a college course just trying to get a little knowledge. But they never apply it. At what point do we have to say, God, I, I need to, your help for me to apply this to my life? I take a scripture and, and I just start chewing on it and finding out what it means chewing on it and trying to find out if it applies to my life today or not. See, sometimes we just read it to read it, and reading it is great, but if we don't ever stop and learn how to use it, it's honestly kind of like my son's class right now. He's, he's in a technical school, and it's supposed to be how to learn how to run, you know, lathes and mills and everything else, you know, big machines, and they're doing it virtually. Do you want to hire him to machine parts for you? <laughs> Dave, could you learn what you're doing? Exactly. And, and so it's like, at what point are we just going to have to say, you know, he's going to school to learn some regardless of COVID because it's like. But some of us would be satisfied with that because in the end, we still get the certificate. Who is God to you? God says, who am I? I want I want to stop for just a moment and I want you to think about that. God says, who am I to you? Have you ever even done that? So I just want to pause for just a moment and let you think about that. Who is he? If trouble came up tonight, 
if the devil walked into you to right now and looked you in the face and said, Mike, who is God to you? What would your answer be? Do you think Jesus believed those scriptures he quoted when the devil came and tempted him? Or was he just quoting religious mumbo-jumbo? Who is he? Who is he? It's a question we all need to settle. Who is he? And if all you can come up with right now is a religious answer, you've probably got some more deep soul-searching to do. Listen, I, I've had things come up against my life through the years that I had to ask those questions. I, I had an, a, a time where the enemy was, was attacking me and my family so much that I went and sat with my pastor and everything my pastor had mentored me and taught me for over two years, he went against. Everything that man that I trusted, went, he started going against. Well, pastor, if somebody had ought against me, they should have come told me. The word of God says this. Well, they couldn't, but that's not what it says. Well, this, and it just continued down the line for about four or five hours we went through that conversation. I kept quoting scriptures to him. But in, in the end of that, at about 2 o'clock in the morning, I went and spent the rest of the night with the Holy Ghost because you know what question I had to ask? Is any of this even real? Because what I thought I knew had just got thrown in the trash, and the man of God that I trusted that had taught me all of that had now went against it. Can I tell you, that's not a fun place to be. I toiled with the Holy Ghost all night long. And I remember my, my wife and my, my best friend was out there with me when I finished talking. And, and they're looking at me. I said, I got to spend some time with the Holy Ghost. They're like, you okay, though, right? You know, you know they were like, are you going to go in? I'm like, no, no, I'm, I just got to go settle this. I got to go settle this. And I did. Me and the Holy Ghost just had time. I didn't open this. I got into the Holy Ghost because right now this was put into question. You see how the enemy did that? He made me question what I had been taught. And at the end of that night, you know what I could stand up and, and honestly say? I believe every word of that. Let every man be a liar. But not this. And that's when I started learning that we use our own opinions way too many times. But we don't really believe what we say. And in this day and hour, we can't be that way anymore. You know, as a recruiter in the military, one thing I learned really quickly was, a, was one of the, the students that I was trying to recruit could tell me if I was pushed up against the deadline and I was just looking for a number. Cookie knows those. Was, was I just trying to put a number in? They could tell me. They could tell. You know, it's that car salesman the last day of the month, the dealership closes in two, day, uh, two hours, and he hadn't got his quota yet. So he's going home this month with, with just a draw, and it's not much. You see, when I would stand there with them and tell them what I believed about the Navy, which I still believe it, it's one of the best branches there is, but each one has their own opinions because each one likes different things. The Army is great for people that like that, but I didn't like that, you see. So, <laughs> you see, so we've got to know what we believe, and we've got to know how to battle it. We've got to know how to battle it. So I, I want to open it up for just a minute. It, it, Again, let's try to keep them short, you know. Who's God to you? Without a religious answer. Anybody? Just, who is he? Your go-to, good. 
Oh, don't even strut. She's sitting back there. That's exactly what I'm doing. Don't. <laughs> yeah, he's your go-to, but that's good, though. Yeah. Yes, that's right. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But see, but you had that type of example. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, see, and you see how the difference of, of it is between the homes we, let's see, I saw a hand earlier. Yeah. Place to hide. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and it, again, it, it's scriptural, but that's not what she remembers. She remembers that. That's good. Anybody else? Yeah. He's the one that loves you through all your mess. Yes. Amen. 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 Anybody else? There's no wrong answer. You had a good father, and so he's your, yeah. And that's good, though. There's nothing wrong with it. A lot of us didn't have that, you know. He's daddy, yeah. Now, you know, the cool thing is, is, is like I told you before, he's, he's the one that will never give up on me. And, and through the years, he's become daddy. But now I have a different understanding of daddy. Because my dad, as much as I hated him growing up, not growing up in church, I didn't understand his method of loving us. And, you know, it wasn't until many years later after he was gone that I learned because one person told me. He worked three and four jobs to make sure you had everything because that's how he knew how to love you. Dang. I wasted all those years. And, and when we would go fishing, we had the boat, and all I ever wanted to do was go fishing with my dad. But we never went fishing by ourselves. He always brought a friend. All I wanted to do was go with him myself. But you know what I found out? He couldn't afford to bring me fishing. They paid, they paid the gas and everything else. You see, again, it was my, my dad was really loving me and doing those things, but I had no clue. And that's the same thing as we grow through the years of who he is. It's always going to grow and change. Anybody else want to share one? It's good, man. A friend? It's good. Anybody else want to share one? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so he knows you better than anybody else. Yeah, that's good. Amen. You see, each one of us may have a different opinion, but in the end, it leads us to the same place. It all leads us to the same place. But we've got to go back to that periodically so that we can battle what the enemy brings and what the world brings against us. Because again, it's not going to get any easier. But what if that time comes and you have to make that, that answer? We have to settle it inside of ourselves. You know, I, I remember many years ago, I was watching a movie. Uh, it was called Six. It was a C-rate, C 
best Christian movie, you know. Uh, it, it wasn't the greatest plot in there, but it had some great parts in it. And I remember laying, it was, it's VHS too, if that tells you anything. Um, and, and so I, I really still like the movie because of some parts in there. But there was a part in there that I remember the Holy Ghost challenging me on. That, that it's about the tribulation period, but there was these crazy plots going on in the back and all that. It was just really kind of, they could have left that out and it would have been fine. But I remember there was this gentleman that got saved during the tribulation and now he's in prison. And every day they'd set into the, uh, to the courtyard of the jail, you know, they'd sit in there and they would talk because the next day some of them were going to be beheaded the next morning. And I remember this, that one person, he got up there and he's just like, don't mourn for me. Tomorrow I get to go be with my Lord. It's like, that dude just got saved. <laughs> you know, he just got saved, and now they're like, denounce Christ, take the mark. No, no, can't do it. It's like, that dude just got saved. Like, literally off the side of the road. You know, like, like a couple weeks. And the Lord's like, could you do that in that situation? And every day they'd make the prisoners watch those guys get beheaded. And he's standing there with joy, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's tough. But you see what I'm saying? So we've got, we've got to answer that inside of ourselves because what it does is it strengthens our walk with him. Sometimes just ask yourself that. Who is God to me today? Or sometimes it's who do I need him to be today? <laughs> that may be a better question for that. Amen. So, so listen, it was just something that came up in our class, and I, I thought it was just really good. One other thing that, that they mentioned in there, I wish I would have brought my book. And I thought it was really interesting how they put this. So I wrote it down, and, and I, I think there's probably a sermon in it someday. But what you put your faith in, I'm trying to remember exactly how he worded it. What you put your faith in is what you'll get. If you put your little faith in something small, you'll get something small. But if you put your little faith in something huge, you'll get something huge. My little faith, the size of a grain of mustard seed, and an everlasting, omnipresent, omniscient God that's everywhere created everything, when you put my little piece of mustard seed in that, what does the math come out to? <laughs> and I was like, that is a good way of looking at that. What I put my faith in is what I'll get. And when I put my little faith in something small, I'm only going to get something small. But when I put my little faith in something infinite, what's the math? It's kind of like the speed of light. You know, like 20 quadrillion times this and that, you're going to get a big number. It doesn't matter. You know, and so I'll challenge you with that tonight. Put your faith in God, but know what you're putting your faith in and, and truly believe what you're putting your faith in. Don't just do it blindly. Don't do it blindly. Trust him and adhere to him. Rely on him. That's the amplified version. Always. So come on, let me pray for us tonight and pray for those that are online as well. Father, I thank you that we, again, we get to be in your presence. And I thank you for all that you've brought us through and what you're going to continue to bring us through, Lord. And Lord, tonight we have discussed who you are to us. And Lord, I thank you that, that people have opened up their hearts and become transparent so that we can move forward, that we can truly grow in you and our trust and in our knowledge, God. Don't, don't let it just be a, heart no, a head knowledge, but let it truly be a heart that is 
a knowledge that is revealed by your spirit, that you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, that you literally died for me, you were crucified, buried, and you rose again. This is not a story, but it is real. And let it never be questioned in my life. Let, let me never waver on that. Never, never let me waver on it, God. Lord, I thank you for, for blessing your people and watching over us. And Lord, I thank you for healing those that need to be healed. And the good reports that we're, we're hearing about uh, Jose's cousin, continue to do the work there, Father. And Lord, I know we've got some others that are sick, and I pray you just continue to pour out your healing power upon them and continue to use your church mightily in the days to come. And ask this all in Jesus' name. If you agree with that tonight, I want you to say amen with me. Amen, amen. Hey, listen, thank you. For, for listening through this tonight. Hopefully it challenged you a little bit, and hopefully it helps you to grow in more of who Christ is. Amen? So, amen. Well, listen, I love you. Thank you for being here with me tonight, and uh, we're going to have a good service on Sunday as well. So.